listening to On Israel in Al Monitor. I am Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. President Joe Biden left the Middle East on Saturday after four very intensive days. The success was a little uh, lower, uh, and uh, the, the visit was less success successful than expected. The Israeli part was indeed a success. He was greeted warmly by, in the airport by all the leaders of the state, President Yitzhak Herzog, Prime Minister Yair Lapid, Defense Minister Benny Gantz, even leader of the opposition, Benjamin Netanyahu. More uh, important, uh, President Biden succeeded convincing the Israelis and capturing the, the Israeli heart uh, that he's a real uh, Israel lover, pro-Israeli president, maybe the last of its kind, and he actually fixed the grave mistake in Israeli eyes that did President Obama in 2010 when he just came to office when uh, in his first visit to the Middle East, he skipped Israel and went to Cairo and to Saudi Arabia. The other part, uh, when uh, the president went to see uh, President Mahmoud Abbas, Abu Mazen in uh, Bethlehem and Ramallah, and uh, nine Arab leaders in Jeddah, Saudi was different. The Palestinians came to this event with very low expectations and went out of it with, with, with even less expectations and results. The Saudis sent to the airport the governor of Mecca, and it is a, somehow can be a, a, a humiliation to the president. And in the very long meeting between Biden and MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, the, the Saudi crown prince preached the president uh, when they reached the very troubling uh, uh, issue of the killing of uh, the journalist Adnan Khashoggi. The president came uh, back to uh, Washington with some results, but let's say it uh, this way. There were more su successful uh, visits of uh, presidents, uh, American presidents in the Middle East than the visit of Joe Biden. Our guest today is an expert in uh, Everything that I just mentioned, the relationship between Israel and the United States, the peace process that is uh, not so active in the last days between Israel and the Palestinians, and the triangle Washington, Riyadh, Jerusalem. Ambassador Nadav Tamir is a former diplomat, served in the embassy in Washington and as consul general to New, York, New England. He advised Shimon Peres as foreign minister and president, and currently the executive director of J Street in Israel. Ambassador Tamir will be here right with us after this short break. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Hagedorn, and I'm the State Department correspondent at El Monitor. And I'm Joe Snell, I'm El Monitor's video editor. Let's admit it, this past year has been difficult to stay on top of the news and sift through what's accurate and what's misleading. Let Al Monitor help you. If you care about the Middle East and North Africa, you should consider listening to Al Monitor's audio series on the Middle East with Andrew Parasoliti and Amber and Zaman, and on Israel with Ben Caspi. You can now watch our newest video podcast, Reading the Middle East with Gilles Capel. You can subscribe to these series on your favorite podcast platforms. And through a host of free daily and weekly newsletters, we offer a range of perspectives with the highest journalistic standards. You can subscribe to these newsletters at almonitor.com. 
As an award-winning media service headquartered in Washington, D.C., Almonitor has a network of over 160 contributors around the world. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to visit almonitor.com, where you can find all of these newsletters and podcasts, along with first-class reporting and analysis. I'm happy to introduce and welcome uh, Executive uh, Director of J Street uh, in Israel, uh, my friend and colleague, uh, Nadav Tamir. Shalom, Nadav, and thank you for being us and joining us here in Israel in Almonitor. Shalom, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, let's. we're, of course, trying to summarize and analyze uh, the visit of uh, President uh, Joe Biden in Israel. Uh, the Palestinian Authority and uh, Saudi Arabia. And I wanted just to, to begin with to ask for your uh, general uh, impression of this visit. Was it successful uh, in Israeli eyes, in uh, the pres president's eyes, etc.? Well, first of all, I think it was a very important visit because uh, uh, since the presidency of, of Biden, he actually neglected the Middle East, except for the Vienna talks with Iran. Uh, he, didn't, uh, he didn't do anything in the region. And I think the region needs American diplomacy, American leadership badly. So for me, the fact that the US is back to the Middle East is very good. Um, you know, in terms of the deliverables and, and the action items, um, you know, we knew what to expect. We knew that, uh, um, he wants to have a good visit in Israel that will be good for him politically and will also help him uh, to justify the visit in Saudi Arabia. But I do believe that the fact that he is now engaged with the Saudis is good for Israel, not only for those who want more normalization or more front, united front against Iran. I do believe as someone who thinks that the Palestinian issue is eventually the most crucial and existential issue for us that it could also help with the Palestinian issue. So let's say uh, you, you directed me to the Palestinian issue as a, a senior uh, J Street official. You, of course, uh, you're very interested and focused in this. And uh, as I said in the beginning, the Palestinians came into this event with very low expectations and maybe went out of this event with even lower results because, yes, he said that uh, that the two-state solution is still the, the American uh, policy, but he also said that he, he is aware of the fact that we cannot do anything significant right now. Political situation in Israel is uh, well known to both of us and actually to everyone else. He, he even couldn't, was not able to deliver a joint statement with, uh, with President Mahmoud Abbas. So where do you bring your optimism from? And if you can explain us uh, what can happen uh, in, in this, with all these obstacles and circumstances, is, is there anything that can be done uh, in this track? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I would say that I'm in J Street because I care deeply about the Palestinian issue and not the opposite. Uh, and I care deeply about the Palestinian issue because of my Zionism, because I think the only way to keep the Zionism uh, project alive is if we will have a Palestinian state. It is much more existential than with all the respect to Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, and everything else. Uh, 
I think that uh, it's true that the Palestinians knew and they did not really expect anything big to come in this visit. They realized that the Biden style is also um, to embrace Israel and to push Israel only after embracing it. He learned it from the eight years next to Obama where he saw that Obama could not find his way to the heart of the Israelis and that made his work in promoting peace much harder. Um, but I do believe that uh, unlike the initial intentions of Trump and Netanyahu, that the Abrahamic Accords, which by the way, we now know that was not their initial goal. Their initial goal was the Trump plan and annexation. But when they understood that they can't do annexation and they went for the, for the Abrahamic Accords, the idea was to bypass the Palestinians and to show that Israel could normalize relations without the Palestinians. But I actually believe that the irony of history will prove that eventually it is the normalization that will help, um, help solve the Palestinian issue. And the reason why I think so is that, um, that when the Arab initiative was presented in 2002, Israelis ignored it completely uh, because normalization was not concrete. They did not understand what it means. And now you see people from the right, not even you know, people from the peace camp who are so excited about going to Dubai and flying over Saudi Arabia. And there is a much more leverage in those relations that could uh, be turned into something um, more concrete for the Palestinians. We already had one uh, example, for example, when the Moroccans were involved with the Allenby arrangements, uh, but, but I'm speaking much more about political horizon and political horizon is crucial because we see in every poll that plurality of Israelis support the two-state solution over every other uh, alternative. But the reason why they don't vote this way and why there's no energy there, because they think it is not feasible. And to create political horizon, which is what I think uh, Biden started to do in speaking about 67 borders with land swaps in going to East Jerusalem to show that he's reversing the Trump announcement that Jerusalem is off the table by connecting with the Saudis around the Saudi initiative, which turned into an Arab initiative, is a good beginning for uh, bringing back the two-state solution into the discussion that the next time Israelis and Palestinians will go to vote, uh, they will vote uh, on this issue and not only on other issues that are less important. I think you're <clears throat> a little bit naive, but maybe I'm wrong, but it's very interesting what you just mentioned. You, you say that President Biden reversed the Trump policy about Jerusalem. I'm not sure. I will be happy if you'll uh, uh, try to explain me because even when Trump recognized the, the city of West Jerusalem is Israel's capital, he did not recognize the, the situation on the east side of the city. So when President Biden goes there with a Palestinian flag and not an Israeli flag, it's nothing new, or maybe I'm wrong. Well, Trump said, and Trump, you know, said different things than sometimes conflicting things. But at some point he said that Jerusalem is off the table. And this is the way the Palestinians understood it. And don't get me wrong. I'm very much for an American embassy in West Jerusalem. But I don't think that this embassy really changed our life. I mean, Jerusalem was our capital before and after. What we really need 
is for the moderate Palestinians to have hope that they could have their own capital in East Jerusalem. And I think that, the, that when Biden insisted on going to East Jerusalem and even the symbolic thing of giving money to the uh, hospitals in East Jerusalem, now that he cannot open the consulate because he doesn't want to embarrass uh, Lapid before the elections and he didn't want to break the change government before, uh, for, you know, for good reasons, um, uh, shows that he is reversing the, the statement that Trump said Jerusalem is off the table and the Palestinians could still hope to have their own capital there. Okay, let's move to the Iranian issue. Uh, unlike you, maybe of the, many of the Israeli leadership uh, sees the Iranian issue as the existential and the real important issue. And I'm not sure the goods were supplied in this issue. There was no deadline, no red line, no tripwire, uh, some Iranian action that will trigger a, a plan B operation by uh, Israel and the United States. How do you see it? We just heard today a former senior, senior Iranian official saying that Iran can produce one or two atomic bombs. And I don't know what, what he meant or what he wanted to achieve, but how do you see the current situation when Americans are still anxious to, uh, to renew the JCPOA and Israel sees this agreement as, a, as a, an, an existential threat to its a, a security. Well, I think that uh, the Biden administration have a very good reason to try to get back to the JCPOA. I think that it's very rare in the international affairs that we have a real case study in front of us. And we did have a case study that the JCPOA was actually succeeding. And the reports of the, uh, the intelligence uh, from all around the world said that Iran was committed to the agreement until Trump left the agreement with the pressure of Netanyahu. And uh, even though all options should remain on the table, diplomacy is very much needed. And there is no way to go to a better agreement before you go to the agreement that the United States left. And this is why I think Biden is correct in trying to get back to the JCPOA. I'm not sure he will be successful. And I think it's a good idea to prepare other options, but still uh, diplomacy is the preferred option. I think that there are many, and I'm it's, as part of my job, I'm meeting with many Israelis from the security echelons who think that the JCPOA was, even though not perfect, but the better alternative at, at the time. And it was a huge mistake to leave it. And uh, we also heard even from within the system, from uh, Dror Shalom uh, recently in Washington and for Tomer Hyman, who just uh, left the, the intelligence forces, that they think the same, that going back to the JCPOA is actually an Israeli interest. Now, I do want to give credit to the, to the Bennett, Lapid, Gantz government that unlike Netanyahu, even if they're against the JCPOA, they understand that with your most important ally and the most important superpower in the world, if you want to influence, you have to do it within the room and not to fight against it in Congress or in the media. But still, I think that they are wrong in thinking that the JCPOA is bad for Israel. But you know, maybe when you talk about the JCPOA, when it was signed, uh, I can I can understand what you're saying, but right now, if you go back to it, most of this of the of the period of the agreement is behind us. The sunset 
will happen between uh, three and five years from now. It's very close. And I can understand the people that are saying that this agreement is, uh, is not a solution to anything. And I can understand the, what Israel is preaching the United States to go uh, to longer and stronger agreement. And still, you know, chief of staff is not supporting. By the way, you mentioned Dor Shalom. He was a senior uh, official uh, uh, general in the, in the military intelligence and the Tamir Hayman, the head of the military intelligence. I can add you the current uh, head of military intelligence, uh, General uh, Aaron Khalilah, who thinks the same, but, uh, but head of the Mossad, for example, the current one, uh, Dadi Barnea, and the previous one, Yossi Cohen, thought that the JCPOA is, is terrible. Well, I, 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 so I disagree with them. And, I, and I, I think the majority of people who left and uh, not on uniform are with me on this. And it's true that the, uh, the agreement is not perfect. It's true that we need a longer and stronger agreement, but there is no realistic way to go to longer and stronger before you first re-enter the JCPOA and re-enter the negotiations with the Iranians uh, which are now completely trashed by after Trump withdrawal and after the collapse of the international uh, coalition that was created uh, uh, to deal with Iran. And it's also created a situation when, when the Iranian extremists within uh, the Ayatollah regime uh, were strengthened because of the Trump withdrawal. So, uh, by the way, the sunset provisions don't mean that United States should just you know, do and do nothing when, when the when the sunsets are off because there is still the NPT. There are still many sanctions and Security Council resolutions, and America could decide to to go to another to other options. But it's better to have the five or whatever years, depending on the on the provision, rather than do it right now because this time gives us more. Uh, to get organized and, and more options to make changes. So just deciding to leave it and, uh, and now not to get back because something is gonna happen in five years, I don't see the logic here. I, I, the, the argument that we are actually legitimizing the, the nuclear program is not true. The agreement is legitimizing enrichment, but not in military level. And, uh, and, and, and you, and, in terms of if Iran is the most important issue or not, uh, we could have a full uh, uh, discussion only about that. I think that in many ways, the Iranians are using us and we are using them, but uh, uh, the alarmism is completely exaggerated. And I'm still, I'm still for preventing from Iran to acquire a nuclear weapon. I don't think it's good for the world and it's not good for the Middle East, but I think the way it was exaggerated during Netanyahu times that it, it became so much, um, and you know, that everybody believes so that even Lapid and everybody else should agree with this because this is what the public feels. But the, the majority of generals who leave the IDF, Mossad Shabak think differently. Yes, the exaggeration is also when Netanyahu was comparing the, the Iranian threat to the Holocaust. So, uh, and I think Which is the most anti-Zionist sentence uh, I ever uh, heard. Uh, yes. When he said it's 39 all over again and Iran is Germany, I said this is saying that Zionism was not worth it. And I agree with you here. Uh, let's go to the... By the way, 
What do you think about the Jerusalem Declaration? I heard from guys in the foreign ministry that it's historic and a great achievement. And now we have in writing things uh, we, we, we never signed uh, such an, uh, a declaration with the United States since the 90s. What's your take on it? I think that it is important, but we shouldn't exaggerate. Most of the agreements were, uh, were agreed before. It was just compiling them in one document. And I'm not belittling. I think those are uh, those agreements are are important, especially for a country like the U.S. Uh, that not in Trump times. In Trump times is very different. But in 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 regular times, there's a lot of you know the the administration, the interagency process is taking those uh, documents very seriously, and uh, and and the policy comes from that. So I think it's a good uh, it's a good uh, move but I don't think it is dramatic or, or revolutionary in any way. I want to talk about the triangle between Jerusalem or Tel Aviv, uh, Washington DC and Riyadh or Jeddah in Saudi Arabia. My, my sources in the foreign ministry and the prime minister office told me in the, in the, over the weekend, listen, the Saudis are not the Emiratis, not the Bahrainis, not, even not the Moroccans. It's something else, the, 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 the speed is as you need to go with them very slowly, uh, gradual steps uh, side by side, uh, have, be very patient. Why? Is it because we, they're waiting to, to, uh, for MBS to take power or just a, a total different type of people and of state? And, and I mean that the, the goods that the, we hope to get something more massive or substantial in the normalization field, we're not, uh, we, we did, not, did not get uh, these goods. Yes, now we can fly over Saudi Arabia, but that's it. Well, yes, Saudi Arabia is, is a very conservative country. It also uh, sees itself as kind of the leader of, uh, of Sunni Islam, which gives um, a big responsibility, you know, uh, and, and that is why one of the reasons why they're very attached to the Palestinian issue, um, no matter if they respect or don't respect the current uh, Palestinian leadership, but they feel that the issue is very much part of their role as a leader in the Arab and Muslim world. Um, they also feel very committed to the Arab initiative that was initiated by Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's true that uh, that Muhammad bin Salman is different than in father than his father, and we don't know uh, what will happen when when um, you know he will become the king. Maybe the change will be more uh, quick. Uh, but I do believe that normalization will move forward. But that, uh, as I told you before that normalization will not leave the Palestinian behind. Uh, and I do hope that the Saudis uh, and the Americans now that are back in the Middle East uh, will use the, the normalization in order to also change uh, the equation and the complete ignore, uh, ignoring of the Palestinian issue in the Israeli politics. So maybe the, the answer, the short answer is that, uh, yes, the Saudi initiative that became the Arab initiative is still there, and the Saudis tell us, uh, guys, listen, it's there. You want normalization? Uh, please uh, make a solution, uh, reach a solution, or at least uh, renew the peace process if you want us to uh, to go all the way. 
Uh, I want to talk to you about President Biden. I think uh, you mentioned it in the beginning. He fixed the grave mistake of, in Israeli eyes, of President Obama, that came to the Middle East and skipped Israel. And I think he, he convinced the Israelis that he that he loves us really, uh, real love, authentic love. It comes from the heart, from within, uh, not uh, political, but. Do you think, as I do, that it's a good chance he's the last Democrat president that will feel this way and we have to be aware of it? It depends what you mean feel this way. Uh, no doubt that this uh, feeling that we, we, saw, we saw from Biden and you see from some more, um, you know, uh, kind of old school Democrats, um, that they see Israel as uh, in the past, as the weak country that was created after the Holocaust, surrounded by enemies, and that's why we have to protect Israel no matter what. I think this is going to change. It doesn't mean that next Democrat uh, leaders will not uh, be supportive of Israel existence, of Israel prosperity, of Israel security. But they see Israel in a very different eyes. They see Israel as a regional superpower, as a country that is much stronger than all our enemies together. And that the, a country that the main issue that, that needs to be solved is the Palestinian issue because the occupation is not only bad for Israel, it's uh, morally, it's also bad for the ability of Israel to remain the homeland of the Jewish people, a democratic homeland for the, the Jewish people. And the majority of Democrats in Capitol Hill um, uh, see, see the situation this way. Uh, in Israel, Many people say the progressives are anti-Israel. It's completely not true. There are 100 members of the progressive caucus on Capitol Hill, and 95% of them are Zionists. But Zionists like I am a Zionist, which means I think the most important thing for Israel is to, to, to move uh, urgently towards a two-state solution. It doesn't mean that they're anti-Israel, but they don't have this instinctive support for Israel no matter what Israel does. That is going to change, and that is already changed. And in that perspective, you're right that Biden is the last American president that uh, will be supportive of the Israeli government no matter what. Yes, and you know, until uh, Obama, the Israelis were aware that the American administration and all the presidents, Republicans and Democrats, uh, thought that uh, the occupation must end the settlements are, are not uh, fruitful, etc. Now, after Netanyahu succeeded to, to have Obama as, as an enemy, Barack Hussein Obama, and then he got a present named Donald Trump, now the, the Israelis expect, expect every American president uh, to register in the Likud, at least. And uh, I think it's a huge mistake. And from the Democrats in the United States, I want to complete this very interesting uh, conversation with you about the Jews. Maybe, what do you think about uh, uh, right now? The, the, I, I'll rephrase. The Jerusalem Declaration contained all, uh, 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 paragraphs of the mutual uh, uh, democratic uh, uh, thought uh, uh, in Israel, uh, values in Israel and the United States. And this is also not so sure anymore because Israel is going more and more to the right, more and more religious, not so liberal anymore. 
And can it uh, separate us from our uh, brothers and sisters, the vast majority of the American Jewry? Absolutely. I think this was one of the biggest mistakes in Israel's history, was the fact that Netanyahu actually signaled to the majority of the Jewish community that he, is, he prefers uh, alliances with, uh, with evangelical Christians, with the uh, with the extreme right, also in Europe, in Brazil, in, in the Philippines, over people who are liberal slash progressive that believe that Judaism is about tikkun olam, that Judaism is about caring about other people as well. And uh, there is now a big question because the new generation of Jews, uh, they say, listen, we want to see a country uh, that is that represent our values. And by the way, uh, if I may do a little um, a, a propaganda for J Street, before J Street was created, they didn't have that choice because the choice was Israel to say, either say Israel is always wrong or either say Israel is always right. We now created a, a space for Jews to say, yeah, we love Israel, we care about Israel, but we can criticize Israel, especially when we see an Israeli government that is becoming in symbiosis with Trump who represent everything that is against their values. And I think this is a big mistake. Now the current government made a, a big change in trying to uh, go back to bipartisanship, but I think it will not be enough be before we do something serious with the Palestinians because the conflict will always be an issue for liberal and progressive Jews. And it doesn't mean that they don't care about Israel. They mean that they care about Israel in a different way than the Likud uh, uh, members. Nadav Tamir, it was uh, very interesting. And I uh, thank you again for joining us here in uh, Al Monitor. Thank you to Daraba Nadav. We'll take now a short break and come back with some final thoughts right after it. Toda thank Nadav. Thank you, Thanks. Hello, I'm uh, Gilles Kepel, professor at uh, Sciences Po and Normal Sup in Paris and author of a number of uh, books and articles on the Middle East. Through my new podcast, Reading the Middle East on the award-winning media service and monitor, we will take a deep dive into the trends in the region with the authors and thought leaders who are shaping how we think about the Middle East. Reading the Middle East will be a fantastic addition to Al Monitor's outstanding podcast lineup, including On the Middle East with Andrew Paraziliti and Amber Inzaman, and On Israel with Ben Kaspit. You can subscribe on your favorite listening platforms. We look forward to your joining our conversation. for staying with us. Ambassador Nadav Tamir said in this uh, interesting conversation that uh, the Biden visit to the Middle East, Israel, Palestinian Authority, and uh, Saudi Arabia is more important than it looks because it was so important uh, to, the, to the all, all the players in the Middle East to see th that uh, the United States did not neglect the Middle East, because uh, the region still needs American diplomacy, American leadership. And according to Nadav, uh, what the president did is exactly this. 
And uh, though the expectations were not very high, everyone knew what to expect. So it was a good visit, uh, politically good to all the parties. And uh, according to Ambassador Nadav Tamir, the fact that uh, the president uh, engaged Saudi Arabia after a so long, a, a very long period of uh, a relationship that were stuck uh, is good to Israel and good to the Palestinian track. It's, it's weird because not many people in Israel think that uh, uh, there is any hope after uh, this visit to the Israeli-Palestinian negotiation, but he said that, uh, that the only way uh, to leave the, 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 um, the Zionist dream alive is to establish the Palestinian state and to go with all force towards a two-state solution. And the, this whole uh, normalization thing, uh, when Israelis see how nice, how, uh, how good, and how fun is to be able to fly over Saudi Arabia, to fly to a vacation in, in the Emirates, now when they realize that uh, there will not be any more progress in the normalization uh, field or area without a progress vis-a-vis uh, -vis the Palestinians, maybe this is according to, I think, Nadav Tamir is a little naive, approach can maybe it can revive the, this uh, neglected track. President Biden, according to Nadav Tamir, uh, fixed uh, the, the grave mistake in Israeli eyes of uh, President Obama. Uh, President Obama, as we all remember, tried first to press or push Israel in the Cairo uh, uh, speech and when he, when he demanded uh, from uh, Prime Minister Dan Netanyahu to freeze the settlements and then to hug it when he visited uh, Tel Aviv and Jerusalem in 2013. President Biden, according to Ambassador Tamir, first hugs and hopefully will push or press later. He also said an interesting thing, that uh, what the president did is actually reverse the Trump uh, administration policy towards Jerusalem uh, when Trump said uh, or uh, hinted that Jerusalem is not on the table and recognized uh, that Jerusalem, uh, West Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Uh, President Biden insisted on uh, going to Eastern Jerusalem, donating a large sum of money to an Eastern Palestinian Jerusalem hospital, Augusta Victoria. And although he did not say anything about opening the American consulate in Eastern Jerusalem, uh, Nadav Tamir said that uh, whatever he did is putting back Jerusalem on the table, reversing the Trump administration's uh, policy. I don't think many people in Israel uh, agree with Nadav Tamir, but he was uh, always unique. In the Iranian issue, Nadav Tamir said that uh, there is no way to go now to a longer and stronger, uh, stronger agreement. The only way is uh, re-entering the JCPOA, hopefully uh, then later try to uh, manage or to negotiate a new deal uh, for a longer, longer period of time. The Jerusalem Declaration is important according to Nadav, 
But uh, as he said it, let's not exaggerate. And finally, he said that one of the most or the biggest mistakes in the history of Israel, not less, is when Netanyahu uh, uh, decided to prefer a, a new alliance with the evangelical uh, Christians in the United States and desert the vast majority of uh, American Jews, the Reform and conservative and secular, secular Jews in the United States. And uh, right now, there is a whole new uh, generation of young Jewish uh, uh, people in the United States that don't see Israel as a state that reflects their values. And this is a grave risk to this uh, strategic asset of Israel. And this is the reason that I've said that uh, J Street was established and is, uh, of course, the J Street uh, Director General in Israel. I hope you found it interesting today and let's hope to meet here again next week. I'm Ben Kaspit from Tel Aviv. Take care and bye-bye.